The Risk Report with Ryan Huang. Well, you might have come across the intriguing or even enticing advertisements on social media. Make money by investing in property and even own them without any cash down payment. While it sounds a bit too good to be true, are these no money down schemes legit? Well, let's find out. Hello, I'm Ryan Huang and this is the Risk Report. So what's the deal with these property investment schemes? Let's get some help. And we have Dawn Che. She is the founder of the Budget Bait Financial Blog. Hi, Ryan. Hey. So this is actually something you came across and you've actually taken a very long time to analyze this, a span of a few months. Yeah, exactly. I started being really intrigued because, you know, um, lots of Facebook ads and even Google search ads were going around, so it was popping up everywhere. Mm. And the pre- premise sounded really exciting, right? How to own money with no no cash down, how they own um, over 30 properties in two years with little or no money, or even how like Singaporeans who are old. Uh, earning just four or $6,000 a month can start to be property um, owners and landlords and collect passive income in the form of rental. So it was very enticing. And, you know, when something sounds too good to be true, then that's where I get really skeptical. And this took me about a few months to try and find out and speak to people who have been through it in order to establish what exactly is this about, what's the risk, what's the go ahead. And yeah, that's how I came up with the answers. Yeah, Don, very enticing. The pitch is, you know, you can own multiple properties, uh, you can be a landlord and you don't really need a lot of money to do all this. So it is actually mm-hmm. sounding a bit too, be, too too good to be true. But what do you mm-hmm. find out, Don? What is the actual business model? How does this, all this work? So maybe I'll give a bit more context, right? So the ad promises that um, it will teach you how to earn passive income um, and let me just clarify that by no means are all these ads or the companies behind them a scam because I've really investigated into mm. it and I even took a property course, <laughs> a real wow. estate agent course to try and understand a little bit more about what's going on. And if you look at the legality, it actually works. Okay, but so I think what's legal. not being addressed, yes, it's completely legal. But the problem is that it's too full of risk that are not being um, sufficiently addressed. And I think the recent crisis has shown that some of these risks are really starting to come out and hurt people. Whether or not, of course, those students are willing to openly share their pain is another thing. But you can't deny that when you go into property investing, there's going to be risks that you're taking up with such a highly leveraged instrument. So that's what we can cover. Yeah, Don. So when you talk about investments, right, typically there is risk. But what mm-hmm. type of risk are you talking about So if you're talking about this particular company and the ads that we've been seeing, right, their model is that they teach you how to find and purchase an undervalued property and you purchase that under a company setup. So they have one guy who is very, very well-versed in um, teaching people how to structure and set up companies. So you do that and you buy the property under that name. And then you finance the property by taking the maximum bank loan, which I understand is a corporate bank loan. Mm-hmm. So um, the rates are actually, the percentage is actually higher. Then after that, you rent it out to a tenant, which should pay you a monthly rent higher than the monthly mortgage that you need to pay back to the bank. And from there, that access is what gives you your positive cash flow. You pump that cash flow back into your company's financials. So now you can qualify for an even higher loan quantum. And you repeat the process. And you can see that when you do through that model itself, there's a few risks that are already starting to come out because it hinges all on the fact that you must be able to rent out the property. 
right? And that's one of the key things that the course will also tell you. You do not buy a property that is unable to be rented out. But again, that's a big question. Can you rent it out? Can you rent it out at a higher rate year on year? Because the reason why we invest in REIT mm. in the stock market is their ability to increase that, right? But as a landlord, can you do that? If you say you're going to outsource that to the agent, then that's going to be cost that you incur as well. And it will depend a lot on the ability of your agent to increase and negotiate that rent. And yeah. there's also another risk of, you know, what happens if the tenant runs away or is unable to pay up? And that came up in the COVID-19 situation because people were not being able to run their business and then rental became a fixed cost that they could no longer start to pay. And there were lots of tenants lobbying the landlords for reduced rent. And that hit the students of the course as well, right? So they got affected and there was even a support group that was set up to help them through this period. And then even if you get past the whole rental situation, there's also the question of, can you really sell off the property at a gain? Because whether or not the property market goes up and down is the timing that you cannot control. Yes, it's cyclical, but you could be potentially existing at a bad time. And then there's also another very, very big risk that isn't addressed, which is what if you lose your job mm. and your money becomes really tight and at the same time, your tenants um, are giving you issues so you don't get rental income. Don't forget that you still have to pay for the mortgage every month. Otherwise, the bank could repossess that property and you'll be on an even bigger loss. So all these are very real questions and very, very high risk because when you go for leveraged instrument like property, that's the kind of risk that you are taking on. But if you don't know how to manage them well, it could actually work against you and potentially cause you to lose a lot of money or even worse, go bankrupt. Let me yeah. run through the numbers right now. So I'm looking at the leverage aspect and so far what I'm hearing mm-hmm. is this sounds like a typical property investment. You buy a property, rent it out, mm-hmm. and then get cash mm-hmm. from the tenant to pay off your mortgage on a monthly basis. So mm-hmm. what are the parameters here when you are looking at this investment scheme? What makes it more riskier than what you would typically do for yourself? What is the leverage numbers looking like? So the leverage would be the loan that you actually take up with the bank, right? Mm. So that depends on how you choose to fund the property because one method that they teach is you could find co-investors and then you guys pay more upfront and then put the rest on the loan if you're not so comfortable. Otherwise, um, put more on the loan upfront if you're going to go so low or if you don't have a lot of money, then find co-investors to fund the initial deposit that you need because you can't take a 100% loan, right? Mm. So in terms of the numbers, um, I, I did a sample case study on my article and presuming if you were to buy a property for 745000 then let's presume the rental comes up to be maybe about like 3.9k a month, right? If some, if you assume that you're able to get 90%, which is pretty high, corporate loan at about 2.68 interest annually, that will come up to 2.7k for your monthly mortgage. So if, uh, even after you deduct your property tax and your MCST and everything else that you need to pay for, you should technically get a few hundred dollars cash flow per month or in this scenario, that's $600. But you see, the question is, what if that rental does not come in? Or what if you can't, you lose your job and you can't pay that mortgage? What if something happens and you need money for other stuff and you don't have money to keep funding this? So that is the risk in this kind of schemes and this kind of um, investments. And it's something that's very, very real. Yeah, Don, you mentioned a very interesting word just now, co-investors. So you have to mm-hmm. pay back the loan to the bank. So mm-hmm. what happens if your co-investors can't pay up for some reason, like you mentioned, you know, jobs being lost or they just run away? What happens then to the investment? 
then the one whose name is on the papers or who is on the official documentations will have to bear the losses. So then I guess if you are worried about the the risk of your co-investors running away or not paying up, it comes down to who you trust and who you approach, mm. right? So that's another big, big thing that you have to think about. Yeah, so all this actually sounds a bit like a REIT. You're putting a lot of money together, passing on mm-hmm. to the expert to help manage the risks. So when mm-hmm. someone's looking at this and then they're thinking, hey, what's the difference between me putting money here and buying a REIT? What would be the main highlights? Yeah, exactly. So, so after reviewing the whole thing, that's my thoughts as well, right? It's very, very similar to how REITs are structured. But you see, the risk that we take with a REIT is very, very much different. Because someone else does all the work, we just need to look at the share price, evaluate the quality, the quantitative financial health of the REIT, and then we invest, and our loss or gains would be dependent on the share price movement, right? So we don't have to manage as much. But on the other hand, when you go through this kind of uh, property investment, you're the one, it's your name on that document. Mm. It's you who have to manage the tenant. And, you know, it's not just money, right? There's also time and effort and mental energy that is being used up when you have to deal with this kind of stress. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who has a day job or who's trying to juggle many things in life, if you can't manage that, that's going to work against you as well. Of course, if you can, then that's great. This method would probably work for you as it has for the founders of the course who have owned over 30 plus properties, right? But the thing that I wanted to be um, very clear is that it does not work for everyone. And I think people should know this risk before they decide whether or not to go ahead. And if you could actually learn of this risk even before going for the course, that would be ideal. And if you're still keen, then go ahead. But the problem is, the premise of the course just tells you a very attractive idea. You go for the course, you pay for the fees, and then later on you find out what's the risk and you decide whether to go on for that. And whether or not you go ahead to make this investment, the course fees have already been made. So that's the part that is happening right now. Yeah, what are the course fees like, Don? And what is the journey of somebody who's going through this course? How many courses do you actually take and how long are these courses? I can't remember exactly how long the course was. I believe it was like a two-day workshop. Mm -hmm. Um, And the course fees varies because apparently whether or not you come in through their ad or through a friend's referral, there are different fees that they charge you. So on average, it seems to be like about um, a high two to a low $3,000. And there are more courses that you can take up as you want to advance further in this uh, investment scheme? Usually, these course providers will also have another upsell, which would be a masterclass or um, a private circle kind of thing. And in this case, um, there's one where you could pay, I think, about $5,000 to join that inner circle, and you'll get assessed opportunities for properties overseas. Because the course right now focuses on Singapore properties, right? And very Mm. specifically, Singapore industrial properties. Um, but it doesn't cover overseas opportunities. So if you pay $5,000 for that, then you kind of get a ticket into that kind of membership and, a, and assess. Okay, so so far it sounds like a bit of a higher risk, higher reward type of scheme versus what you typically see in a REIT. Yes, correct. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, one of the things that also you looked into is, you know, is this on the MAS alert list? So it's not mm-hmm. on the list. Does this make it okay? Yeah, so interestingly, a company who was doing this was on that list at first, right? Because I think there was a lot of complaints made against them. And then they apparently got taken off that list. So um, I think the reason why is because they classified themselves as education. Mm. So MES 
investor alert list basically regulates questionable investments itself, right? But because you don't invest directly with the company, what you invest is technically just a cost fee. They don't really qualify to be um, categorized as such, so they got out of that list. Okay, so technically not on the MAS alert list, but definitely a lot of risks to look out for. And one of them, of course, is leverage and your co-investors and Mm -hmm. a couple of things that you really need to consider whether you want to look at a REIT or invest in this property scheme. So this Mm -hmm. wraps up the episode of the Risk Report, looking at the property investment schemes popping up on social media. And helping me out today is Don Cher, founder of Budget Bait Financial Blog. Catch you next time for the next episode. The Risk Report is a production of SPH Radio. It's hosted and produced by Ryan Huang. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcast, and streaming on Google Home.